All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights, the only podcast dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're talking about leverage buyouts, trying to cover the basics of this concept, really understand what an LBO is fundamentally, why it's done, who the players are, what the effects of it are, and et cetera, et cetera. So today's question is related to LBOs, specifically this. Explain how the balance sheet is adjusted in an LBO model. Now, we know what an LBO model is, right? We covered this a few episodes ago. An LBO model is essentially a financial model that describes for us the inputs and outputs of a leveraged buyout. And remember a difference between a leveraged buyout and say your typical merger acquisition is you're using a lot of leverage, you're using debt. And when we think about debt, we can think, okay, how does this affect our financial statements? Well, that's definitely going to affect our balance sheet, right? Our balance sheet remember, has three main components, three components. It has your asset section, tells you what the company owns, your liability section, what the company owes, and then your shareholders' equity, which is what the shareholders of the company own, which is just assets minus liabilities, or take it all the way back to the very beginning of this show where we talked about the basic equation of accounting, assets equals liabilities plus shareholders equity, just another way to describe it. So when I'm thinking about answering this question, I'm thinking, okay, let's approach this systematically because we're talking about the balance sheet. We can go through these one by one in order to understand what happens to each component of the balance sheet when creating an LBO model. So first and foremost, assets. Let's look at the assets. How would the asset section be affected by an LBO? Well, remember that in an LBO, a private equity firm is going to use a lot of debt, but they're also going to put in some of their own equity into the deal. And so what that's going to do is it's going to increase the cash line item in the asset section of the balance sheet. So cash is likely to increase. And then we can also increase our goodwill and other intangibles because it's also likely that when the PE firm buys this company, they're not just going to pay the book value for it. They're going to pay above that. So that additional premium above quote unquote fair market value is reflected in both the goodwill as well as other intangibles that are on the asset side of the balance sheet. So that's the asset section. In the liability section, this, I think, is the most obvious one. A leverage buyout involves debt. And so when you pile debt onto the balance sheet, it shows up as a liability. So that's going to be affected on the liability section. Remember, this is the leverage part of the leverage buyout. And then lastly, let's look at shareholders' equity. Now, whatever equity existed before in this company's financial statements and this company's balance sheet, it gets eliminated, right? Because the entire business is being purchased and recapitalized. So what matters now is the amount of equity that the private equity firm is putting into the deal. And so whatever that amount is, is going to show up there. 
So just as a summary, going back systematically, one, two, three, assets are first. Your cash is likely to increase. Your goodwill and other intangibles are also likely to increase. Liabilities, your debt's going to increase because of your your debt, your leverage buyout. And then shareholders' equity, you just adjust the equity depending on what's put into the deal. So that's how a balance sheet is affected by an LBO model. There are other idiosyncrasies, as I understand it, some more nuanced financial aspects of this, but I'm not going to get into that now because right now our goal is literally just to cover all of the basics, you know, very broad strokes, but still go deep enough for you to be able to answer these kinds of questions and in interviews and for you to actually know what's going on. But we'll revisit more advanced concepts later. But those are the main things that I think that we need to know for, for this kind of a question. Okay, so that's what I got for you today on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me again, and I'll see you next time.